and I challenge them to be leaders in our city and to uh, remember why they moved to Calgary and help become um, one of the reasons why other people uh, want to make this their home. I believe in Calgary. I believe in Calgary. I believe in Calgary. I believe, I believe in, in Calgary. Calgary. This is the We Believe in Calgary podcast. We're here to give voice to the Zane Novak 2021 mayoral campaign by speaking to community leaders, local entrepreneurs, and civic visionaries about the issues and innovative ideas that affect Calgarians. Join us every second Wednesday leading up to the municipal election on October 18th. Johnny Morris, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. We always start the podcast with a very simple question, and that is, what is your Calgary story? My Calgary story? Well, I was... Uh, like most folks, or a lot of folks in the city, I'm not born and raised here. I was, uh, I was, um, you know, from Ottawa, Ontario, and I came out here for a curling event when I was uh, 18 years old. I was playing in the Canadian uh, Junior Championships, representing Ontario, and and uh, I'll never forget getting off the flight. I uh, got out, got into the Calgary airport, and I'll never forget the the reception I got from uh, the friendly volunteers and the cowboy hats, and it really struck me and and has and has you know has been I've kept that with me ever since is you know what a great you know uh, welcome visitors and and that was the reasons that was one of the main reasons uh, a few years later that I chose to move here was you know I really liked the vibe from Calgary I really uh, you know ever since I got that first reception and just the the friendly country cowboy western vibe of Calgary I just uh, it was you know it was uh, too good to to refuse so a few years later I ended up moving here and um and since 2004 i've been here and and uh have have been lucky enough to to have uh, been very successful here won a few olympics and well, i'm working the draw a uh, job i love to do my dream job as a firefighter and uh just uh feel very very grateful to uh, have stumbled upon calgary awesome there's lots to talk about and you mentioned um your experience with the olympics and i definitely want to talk about that um, but I guess we'll we'll start more at the beginning. So you said 2004, you've been in Calgary. So I guess yeah, what's it like? What's your experience been like being a transplant to Calgary? Well, it's been been very good. I've met some some wonderful people. Um, you know, I think there's some really good. At the time, there was so much opportunity in Calgary, and I still think there is a lot uh, a lot of great opportunity in Calgary. And I think that's what brings a lot of people here. You know, moving moving here, I didn't know if it was a one-year thing or going to be a lifetime thing, but uh, I was just going with it. I just graduated university, and kind of the world was your oyster. Is how I thought, and so I moved out here. And um, my first job, I, I remember making minimum wage. I was working with children with special needs, and and um, you know, I didn't know where that was going to get me, uh, but I really enjoyed it, and and uh, I wanted to. I, I knew that I, I really uh, wanted to pursue firefighting. It was something that. Uh, so I, I started volunteering at a fire station uh, just outside of Calgary in Chestermere while I was living in Calgary. And, uh, you know, love, that's where I really got to meet people. You know, I, I got to meet some good guys that I lived with. Um, and uh, and they kind of introduced me to, to country music and cowboy boots and so uh, and a pickup truck. I think that's when I bought my first truck. So yeah. I really kind of embraced the, the Calgary culture and, and um, you know, really, you know, coming from a background in Ottawa, it's a very government kind of town, and a lot of my friends work for the government and work, you know, Monday to Friday jobs, and it just that just wasn't for me. I, I've I've always liked to to kind of live a little bit different that way, and and I really liked what Calgary had to offer because there's so many unique opportunities here, you know, that uh, I think that uh, are a motivating factor for people moving here. 
And as I said, I didn't know if I was going to be here for, for my whole life or, or just a few years. And, uh, you know, once you, once you kind of get the, get into the vibe of Calgary and as long as you, I, I feel there's a, there's like a one or two year window in Calgary. When people move here, they're either, you know, some people are looking for the quick fix and they're, you know, if they don't get that in the first year, they either get homesick, they don't get that quick fix and they're out of here. But I think the people that actually embrace it and don't mind, uh, you know, like not getting that quick fix and making that really big salary right away. I find that uh, once, one, and kind of embrace the culture and, and the people here, that's the people that will stay and, and kind of are, are part of our core now. So uh, that's me. I, I uh, again, I'm, I made minimum wage and volunteered. I think my first four years firefighting, I'm, after a few years, I was making two bucks a shift. That was a big, you know, that was a big pay raise. At least we could afford a little bit of lunch. And, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I embraced the culture, loved it out here. And, and, um, and I've been here ever since now we got a, got a young family with two kids and, um, yeah, I can't see living anywhere else right now. That's for sure. Okay. So you have family back in Ottawa then? Yeah, I still, still get homesick. You know, I got, uh, I got my folks out there and two sisters and, and they they love coming here and visiting. Uh, it's uh, you know it's it's a it's good change for them. And I still go home in the summer. We got a uh, we have a cottage back home near Ottawa that uh, you get to go home and see the cousins and family and do some fishing. And uh, so I still get to do that. But uh, yeah, that's the one thing I'm missing. And I think a lot of that's why you have to kind of make sure you you're uh, you know you network well here because if you don't have family, which I think a lot of people that move here don't. You know, you got to create some family, and I've I've done that. I've uh, you know reached out and and uh, have have people in my life now that I would consider my family, and and uh, they're my go-to when it comes to you know things in my life where I, if I have an issue or if I need some support, I've created a pretty um, pretty good tight tight knit group that that uh, you can lean on when you need to, and it's uh, sure nice to have. So you're still currently firefighting? Yeah, I'm working uh, right now in Rockyview County, so just outside mm-hmm. Calgary. I uh, have uh, been firefighting ever since 05, started volunteering in 05, and then uh, and now it's my career job, and um, and I love it. I love going to work every day. I love, uh, you know, working with my crew and and uh, helping out and making a difference, and, um, you know, you don't, every day is not, uh, you know, there's there's some days that are tough, tougher than others, but I just, uh, I think it's the best job in the world, and I feel grateful for uh, the opportunity that Alberta and, and Calgary was able to provide that. So let's jump into your experience with the Olympics. So I guess um, maybe we'll we'll talk about um, your your building experience. So that's that's kind of what brought you to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, you were staying with with some some families here in Calgary. Is that right? Yeah, I moved here uh, when and, you know. I, first of all, in Ontario, there's decent curling depth, but for the most part, if you're an aspiring athlete that wants to go to the Olympics, Calgary was like the hub. You know, with what they created from that legacy in '88, um, you know it was, you know it was obvious the place to move to come here to to you know to maybe achieve your Olympic goals and and uh, so I realized at the time I was you know in my early 20s and I wanted to I wanted to go to the Olympics and represent Canada and I felt that the depth of curling out west, especially in Alberta, is second to none in all the country and then you also get to train with other olympians and it's very inspiring when you get to do that because you know when you're working out i think at the time pierre luters was still uh you know bobsledding for canada and he was like an icon of of uh, the olympics and a canadian athlete and getting it being able to train next to him was very like okay I, you know i can do this and you know, i remember talking to him and he was giving me some tips when i was younger and so you know things like that uh 
you know, that was, that's something that kind of brought me to Calgary and, uh, didn't, you know, it didn't, uh, I, I met some great families that, uh, you know, one of the families that stands out is Zimmerman's. They're st we're still really good friends to this day. I'm actually going to go over for, for a coffee over there this afternoon. So, you know, uh, just, um, some wonderful, uh, families that I've met that have kind of, when you're an amateur athlete, you don't uh, have a lot of big bucks. Uh, you don't, especially early in your career, you don't have a lot of sponsorship. So you can, you kind of take the support when you can get it. And, and, um, well, you know, I know that uh, the the Zimmermans, one of my teammates actually stayed with them for almost, it was supposed to be three months and it turned into almost three years because uh, it was such a good relationship. And, and so, you know, just uh, having that support in Calgary so that we could continue to pursue what we wanted to do, and, and that was our Olympic uh, our Olympic dream, was was something that uh, we needed. And, and I'll never forget that, you know, just uh, families helping other, other athletes. And um, I think that's something that's, still ingrained in in, uh, in a lot of calgarians um maybe just needs a bit of nudging to, to bring it back out again sure and your father also had has some curling uh, professional curling experience as well so i guess is that is that part of your your um inspiration yeah i, I grew up playing almost you know tons of sports our family was really good at introducing us to new sports and they weren't like you know my dad was never okay we want you to be a pro curler from five, I was five years old like uh, so we you know feel very very lucky to play a lot of sports and then curling kind of stuck. My dad was a real good curler and and it was uh, I was pretty skinny and small as a kid so the hockey route wasn't uh, wasn't going to be up my alley. I, I felt uh, so I didn't fill out till I was probably eighteen or nineteen. I, I gained the, uh, my first year of university. I gained about the frosh forty. Some people call it the frosh fifteen. I gained the frosh forty. So. Uh, then I, you know, and then I, uh, you know, curling by that time, I'd gone to a, a world junior championship or two and, and, uh, my dad coached me till I was about 20 years old and, and he was, yeah, he was a pretty big motivating factor and he's still a big part of, uh, of my life when it comes to the curling aspect and, and, and helped me out that way. And, and is he still involved? Is he still doing, doing, um, is he coaching or anything like that? Yeah, he's still, he coached Switzerland this past year and, and he was part of, uh, you know, many Canadian women's teams growing up. He was a very, uh, you know, he's probably a world-renowned curling coach. So, yeah, he's given back a lot to the sport and kind of have, have taught me that too, that, uh, you know, it's one thing to, to win and, and to, uh, and to uh, you know, be part of the current team you're on. But uh, as you get older, it feels just as good to give back. So I'm getting close to that stage of my career where I'll be uh, retiring from, from uh, you know, heavy competition pretty soon. And, and willing to uh, and looking forward to kind of giving back to the sport a little bit more uh, as I get older. That's great. Um, so yeah, maybe walk us through your your experience um, winning gold in Whistler and, and Seoul. Well, the uh, in about 2006, I was at this. I was kind of at a crossroads where I'd just gotten into teachers college uh, back in Queens, actually, and I was thinking of going back to to get my teacher certificate because. Um, at the time, it was only a one-year program. And then I got an offer from uh, Kevin Martin, who was one of the best curlers at the time, out of Edmonton, actually. And we formed a team. Uh, I decided to stay in, in, in Alberta and form a team that uh, with Kevin to hopefully win an Olympic gold for Canada. And uh, so we worked our butts off at it. Two of, two of the guys were based out of Calgary, so myself and Ben Hebert, and two of the members were based out of Edmonton. And we, uh, we put everything we had into it. And um, as I said, Calgary was a very inspiring city for me because at Windsport and, um, you know, it was just an area where you could train and be inspired by their athletes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that was available anywhere else in, in the country. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I didn't really know that until I moved here, how inspiring that would be. So started training really hard and, um, you know, wanted to, I, I never really do anything half-assed. I like to kind of, to put everything into it. So uh, that's the way we trained and, and uh, we became really a, quite a force to reckon with on the curling front. And then, um, yeah, in 2010, uh, we won the Olympic trials and, and uh, you know, it's hard to win Canada. It's probably the most depth of any nation in curling. So to win Canada and go and play in an Olympics on your home soil uh, in, in Canada was, you know, something that I don't think, uh, you know, once that's once a lifetime yeah. at, at best, you know, so. So that was sure cool, and, and that experience, uh, whether I, whether you were competing in it or I had friends and, and family that came and just came as fans and met a lot of fans there, and I, could, I have to say that's probably one of the, the highlights of my life was uh, competing in that and meeting uh, fans from all over the country that were had come to Vancouver to support the Olympic Games, and um, it was such a positive, awesome vibe. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I... I, I you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen again um, in Canada, especially, you know, having come close to that bid here in Calgary and not getting that. You know, it's, uh, I hope we get to witness that again because it was sure something that uh, was pretty special. So, you know, I had that on my list of questions to ask you here, uh, Johnny. And, and so maybe let's just, let's just jump into that. What, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on Calgary missing that opportunity for the 2026 Olympics? I'm always the type of guy that looks at, uh, likes to look at the, the glass half full and, and, I know there is a lot of, to me, obviously it was unfortunate we didn't get that bid. I've, I've seen firsthand what the Olympics can do. I've, I've seen kind of the energy that it can bring, the positive energy that it can bring. Um, I think if anyone that was in Calgary had actually been in Vancouver, any of the naysayers that uh, you know had been in Vancouver and saw what transpired in that city uh, during the Olympics, um, I, if they actually were able to witness that, I don't think there was a chance they were saying no to the Olympics. And I think that... Unfortunately, this Olympic bid, compared to our one in 88, it got very politicized. It got very number-crunchingly. Right. It was at the time where Calgary was in a bit of a bust situation, so it wasn't like we were thriving and firing on all four cylinders as a city. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, with that being said, I think that uh, it became complicated. It became a very complicated bid, uh, and unfortunately, we didn't get that bid. And, and uh, as I said, I think that uh, one of the... One of the things the Olympics are, you know, I'm not, and I don't want to paint the, the Olympics as this like picture perfect organization that is, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, super ethical. And because I think we all know that there, there is, has been a history of, of some things that uh, I'm sure the Olympics aren't proud of. And sometimes even athletes aren't proud of uh, being part of that. Right. But I think that they've, that's been brought to the forefront. And I think that the Olympics now realize that, you know, that is the power of social media is that. You know, you can't. People can't get away with doing things that maybe they did before, and I think that as a result, there's some better people in place now in the Olympic organization. And and instead of doing Olympics, that's going to end up costing cities millions and even billions of dollars, and they're kind of le left in disarray. These Olympics are being more built a lot more sustainably, so that right. rather than leaving a city in a um, in a worse situation where they have to, you know, do something with these buildings that. You know, they're actually, it's a lot of thoughts being put into it, starting with like Vancouver. If you look at Vancouver, they did a great job, but uh, they didn't lose 
they pretty much broke even, but they were able to create a bunch of infrastructure that was very neat and necessary for the city. And if you go there now, uh, there's a lot of systems in place that were brought there from the Olympics that makes so much sense and really help the, the city become more efficient. And a lot of those costs, rather than being brought to the province and to the, um, and to the city, were taken care of by the, uh, the IOC and, and sponsorship. And that's what I think a lot of people didn't really understand with the Calgary bit is they just like, oh, this is going to cost us tons of money. And they didn't understand that, you know what, the majority of this money that it's going to cost is being going to be paid for by international and Canadian sponsorship and IOC, uh, the Olympic Committee itself. And they are, um, you know, and just to put things in perspective, you know, I mentioned earlier, I moved to Calgary because I was inspired to be a, uh, I had a, I had young dreams of becoming an Olympian and, and wearing that maple leaf. And that was created because the Olympics were brought here in 88 and there was a wonderful legacy left in 88. Right. And as a result, many athletes come and, and then flock to this city for that with those dreams. And now we lost that bid for 2026 and we're going to be losing some infrastructure that was created in 88 because it can it's no longer able to be afford, uh, afforded by the city so i know that our uh, some bobsled uh, um, there's some bobsled canada uh, a lot of this the uh, sliding sports unfortunately um, you know is, they're on they're on life support now and uh, that one that one, a wonderful legacy that was created in 88 is uh, at a, a you know a pretty decent risk of of uh, losing a lot of uh, pretty important parts to it. And it's kind of sad because that was something that was going to be rebuilt. And again, with the with the talk of being a, a sustainable Olympics, that's why they're approaching cities now that have hosted an Olympics before. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to build this Olympics from scratch. Right. It was a perfect candidate city in Calgary because we, have the, we had the infrastructure for the most part in place that needed maybe a little bit of fine tuning. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look at a place like Camor too, sorry if I'm going off on a tangent here, but obviously this is something I'm a little passionate about, but you look at a place like Camor too, that before 88 was a mining town. I remember a friend of mine, um, and one of my best friends in town, his name's Doc, uh, Tom Coyle. He's a lifelong uh, Calgarian. Uh, he still wears his Olympic jacket that he, when he volunteered from 88. And, um, you know, he, he, I remember him telling me a story when he was in, in the eighties, he went to early eighties, he went to, to Camor and it was an old, it was an older mining town back then. And there was a house for sale for 20 grand. And he said, what Canmore, why would I want to leave, live here? It's an old, it's an old dirty mining town. <laughs> and, you know, you look at what the Olympics helped create in yeah. Canmore, which is a recreation Mecca for the whole world right now. Yes. And a lot of that was brought because of the infrastructure that was brought to Canmore mm-hmm. from the 80, 88 Olympics. And that infrastructure is in the same uh, situation that we're, we're in, in, uh, in Calgary now mm-hmm. is that it needs updating. It's not going to be a massive bill. And again, that massive bill was pr- not going to cost Calgary a lot of money. And, uh, you know, so it's just uh, unfortunate we lost this bid. And I think that because it became complicated, very complicated and politicized and a lot of trolling on social media, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate because I really think and, and truly believe that the good that could have come from these Olympics would have really helped out Calgary uh, and and uh, in a way that it wouldn't have necessarily cost taxpayers very much money at all, you know? You know, even outside of the economics, uh, and, you know, I think you made a good case there that um, modern Olympics are doing a much better job at making these events much more economical, uh, more viable for these cities, but 
even outside of that, like you're, you're, you know, you mentioned the legacy bringing people to Calgary, you know, uh, in '88. I think there are a lot of, you know, intangibles that that maybe during the the campaign weren't really being discussed. That ultimately it's, it's kind of hard to quantify, but um, there are so many other benefits outside of just dollars and cents that that come to a city or a province or a country for for hosting the Olympics. You betcha, and you know, like if you think of that COP, that's one of our icons of the city that ski jump you know like that's i remember seeing that my first time i ever came here when i drove out to the mountains with our team when i was 18 just for a quick tour of the the rockies and i was like wow that is such a and guess what if we don't support things like you know and maybe a potential next olympic bid guess what's going to happen to that legacy you know those iconic areas of calgary they're going to be cleared there's going to be more housing put in and get you think you're ever going to remember another subdivision going in the west side of Calgary? No, but you're going to remember what we've brought from maybe hosting two Olympics, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, I know the people have talked about the traffic going out to out, out west right now, out to the mountains is, is uh, you know, is crazy, and it is on the weekend or uh, you know, um, I get off shift at 7 a.m. every morning, and it's like rush hour going to the mountains, especially obviously COVID has ramped her up a bit, but. This the bid would have created like a bullet train out there. Would have helped create this bullet mm-hmm. train where it's going to reduce. It's going to have a much better environmental impact because you're just, you know, you're, you're rather than all this these cars, uh, you know, going out there in the morning. You got this train going out. It goes to Banff, Lake Louise, maybe even further down the road. It helps with, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, the hassle of, of the traffic, but it also creates a lot more something a lot more sustainable that both uh, the mountain uh, towns and Calgary would be able to support. So even little things like that, which I'm sure people didn't think about at all when it came to this bid, you know, was something that, um, you know, I think maybe maybe emphasized a bit more if we had, if we could have had a bit more of a positive uh, spin on things. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about um, the experience in, in South Korea. So um, what was that like for you? Well, totally different Olympic experience. You know, you go from Vancouver... I felt like, first time in my life, I felt like, uh, and this doesn't happen very often, but I felt like I was a member of the Beatles, you know, like we won the Olympic gold, we got shipped to, you know, to do this, um, a interview uh, right after a gold medal. Like we're hanging out with Sidney Crosby and Marc-Andre Fleury and the, you know, for the month of the Olympics. And and we get out of our van and it was like, that's a Canadian curling team. And we get like swarmed by, you know, it felt like you were, you were a rock star. Uh, so that was, and then you'd go and every... You know, it was just swarms of Canadian fans in red all over uh, Vancouver and Whistler. And whereas Korea, <laughs> a lot different. You know, like the only, uh, you're not going to an Earl's or a Joey's or a sports bar to watch the Olympics. The only thing open to watch the Olympics if you're a fan there is like a karaoke bar, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it was a little bit different and it wasn't, uh, you know, Canadians, I think that that's one thing that was so cool about is you really feel felt the uniqueness of Canada because going to a more conservative culture like Korea was a totally different experience. Uh, wonderful nonetheless, because I love, you know, I love the Asian cultures. I love Asian food and, and I developed a new love for Korean food, but um, totally different, uh, you know, wearing the maple leaf in a place that's, you know, a different, uh, you know, totally different time zone. You're halfway across the world. Uh, we, and I felt the love from afar because that's where most of the Canadian fans were, were cheering, cheering, you know, they were getting up at three in the morning to watch the games. And, and, um, you know, it was wonderful to feel that, but a total different experience. 
and uh, something that I'm glad I was able to experience both because it gave me some great perspective. And um, I have to say, you know, I, I, after experiencing both, I even felt luckier to have experienced an Olympic Games in Canada as an athlete because we do it and we do it better than anyone in the world. And uh, it was it was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, are you still competing? I am, yeah. I'm playing uh, on a men's team with Kevin Cooey. We're based out of Calgary. Uh, I'm sure if there's any curling fans out there listening, they, they know Kevin Cooey. He's, he's a legend of the sport and uh, just a wonderful uh, skip. And, and uh, we, have a, we, have, we actually started playing together when I first moved out to Calgary. And then, went, and then we kind of had about a, I don't know, almost a decade of a hiatus where he had his own team and I played with Kevin Martin. And, but it's wonderful. We've remained good friends uh, since, uh, you know, since we met and we've got a great team out of Calgary here. So we'll be gunning for, uh, what, you know, the, the next Olympics are actually in Beijing. So that's 2022. They're in uh, Beijing. And that's what we're, we're gunning for is, is uh, the Olympic trials are in, are in Saskatoon in the, in the early winter, I think November this year. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're writing. There's about four or five teams from Canada that are kind of vying for that, that berth for um for the maple leaf and and we're, we'd be running one of the front runners and so if you're tuning in um once the snow starts flying again you can tune into some curling on tv and and uh hopefully cheer us on if you're a calgarian we'll be representing you loud and proud and uh and um yeah should be some exciting uh coverage so. absolutely well we, we wish you the best of luck with that um so I'm curious, has, has um, all of this uh, craziness with, with COVID and, and these lockdown measures and whatnot, how, how has that affected your training? Well, it's, it's definitely been a unique season. Uh, we didn't cancel our season, which is what we were worried from uh, from the get-go. Um, there's been, it's been like, as everything with COVID, it's, it's like ever moving and you have to be very adaptable and mm-hmm. fluid with your plans because... Uh, you know, you can't, there's nothing set in stone. And sometimes you, sometimes you have uh, things change like on the day of training or the day of, uh, of an event. So we were able to salvage a season. We helped uh, develop, uh, I know Ben Hebert on our team was really uh, paramount in, in developing with ATB this mini series, uh, which was, so essentially we kept it in house in Alberta and we developed this mini series right around uh, Calgary that we hosted uh, a lot of the, the uh, the very competitive curling teams from from this uh, province, so that allowed us to kind of hone our skills and keep competing at a high level, and then we had a curling bubble uh, that occurred in Calgary mm-hmm. at uh, you know that again at COP, okay. uh, so we hosted a, a major Canadian turned international event with the Grand Slams and World Championships after that um, I have to say you know we rocked it and Calgary did a great job of hosting this bubble because I think a lot of other provinces would have been pretty apprehensive to host this and and we did it we did it very well um you know very responsibly and uh, it was another uh, you know tip to that to, to the cap to to calgary because we did a great job hosting and another tip to the cap to that cop and that wind sport because that's part of that olympic legacy that we were able to kind of use again that hosted a major event and probably the biggest event of curling in the last two years was hosted there during covid and it went out. It went off relatively, uh, um, you know, without a hitch. So it was. It was great to be part of. Yeah, no, I bet it's uh, it's it's such a beautiful facility. Uh, as someone also who who moved to Calgary recently, and I, I've played hockey there a few times, mm-hmm. just recreationally, and I just blew my mind that this kind of facility is is even open to the public. And so I, I'm I'm guessing it was a pretty interesting experience to be. 
to be uh, locked up in in the in the wind sport arena for a while there. How how long were you uh, in in the bubble? Well, for the better part of two months. Oh wow! Okay. So it was, uh, and we we were staying at that Sheraton right next door. So and the only time, the only thing we were allowed to do outside was walk the parking lot. So it was uh, a de- a definitely a, a grind and a big test of mental discipline because, you know, it was it was not what anything we'd ever experienced before. But um, you know, I think I think we made the best of it and. And uh, again, grateful that we were able to compete this season because we have some wonderful sponsors that uh, allow us to to do the sport we love to do, and a lot of local, uh, you know, Alberta and Calgary sponsors. And uh, it would have been really unfortunate if we couldn't compete and and be able to help, rep, you know, represent them. And and um, you know, so we're very grateful that we we're at least able to throw some stones and and make the best out of a unique season. Definitely. So yeah, I guess um, transitioning a little bit, you got you got quite the resume. So. Being a two-time Olympian gold medalist is uh, obviously quite the accomplishment. Um, but I, I read also that you're you're a gourmet chef. Do, do you want to talk about that? Well, I don't know if I'm a quite a gourmet chef. I went to a school called the National Gourmet Institute. So, uh, but I definitely uh, love to cook. I've I kind of developed a love for cooking from working at the fire station. Um, I remember when I was a rookie uh, at the station. Uh, you know, I, I thought that cooking, uh, you know, pasta with open the the jar of marinara sauce and barbecue and a few sausages was 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 a gourmet yeah. dinner and i quickly got reminded from my my uh my seniors that that's not what's expected for dinner so i learned that uh, i learned um sort of a love for for curling from my fire background and and i've uh i've always been very passionate about nutrition and and, and you know being an athlete and wanting to fuel my body well and and um and i uh a few years ago I took a, a, a cooking course, a six-month cooking course that I really loved and, and kind of, I wanted to hone my skills and be better at it. And so, um, yeah, I took a, a cooking course actually in, in New York City of all places. Okay. Never, I'd never been there in my life. And and uh, that was probably one of my favorite, uh, you know, memories of my life was living there for six months and taking that cooking course. And, and uh, yeah, we've uh, still, you know, still... Uh, cooking a lot I, I cook pretty you know a lot um on shift at the fire hall now and uh just you know it's a big passion of mine is uh is sh- sh- you know great company with good food and uh it's something that um you know I, I kind of really really enjoy and and um yeah I, I don't know I wouldn't I don't know if I'm quite gourmet but I love to cook and certain things uh I really enjoy cooking um you know I, I'm, I'm a big outdoorsman so I like to camp and fish and hunt out here. It's kind of why I fell in love with with Calgary, is because it's like your your stepping stone to, you know, like growing up in Ottawa, you know, you'd have to to go on a moose hunt. You'd have to go for you know drive at least six or seven hours, like rural Quebec. Whereas out here, you know, within an hour you can you know you can hunt moose, elk, uh, deer. You can fly fish, and you know, for five or six different type of fishing species. And that's how, uh, you know, I'm not a big, like, trophy hunter, but I just, you know, that's something that has kind of, uh, I've really started to fall in love with it since I moved out here. And that's kind of what our family does. We're, we're, we'd like to be self-sustainable, and, and uh, that's how I feed my family is I, I fish and I hunt, and, and we have some nice uh, locally sourced 
uh, moose and elk meat and some great, uh, wonderful fresh fish. And that's kind of, I guess, more of a, I like to cook in that regards where we, we use a lot of our own uh, ingredients. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was going to ask, like, it's uh, obviously you're, you're incorporating that wild, wild game. Have you, uh, since you've taken that course and you've, um, I guess, really tried to promote a more nutritious kind of diet and, and lifestyle. Have mm-hmm. you noticed a big change like in your performance, whether it's athletic or just general health? Like, like have you, cause I personally, I, I'm a, a bit of a foodie in that sense. I, I try and, uh, you know, eat, eat healthy, but I've, I've always found it challenging to make healthy food that also tastes good. And obviously there's, there's an art to that. And it sounds like you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, quite a bit ahead of me on that so what, what, how much have you noticed a change in your in your uh, energy and your health since doing that well you nailed it Simon like the biggest thing when you're trying to cook healthier is if it doesn't taste good it's no no one's gonna want to eat it and that's like vital for me is if, yeah. if I'm gonna have someone over and be like hey and they're a meat and potatoes fan right where they've if I'm gonna cook them something that is maybe a bit healthier than they're used to it's got to be a 10 out of 10 for taste. Mm-hmm. So so you nailed it there, and that's that's something that I've always prided myself on. Um, and it really does have an impact, you know, from an athletic point of, point of view for sure. But I think I can relate it nowadays to a mental health standpoint. Like I find, I know when I'm eating shitty, you know, I'm, I'm eating burgers and fries or, you know, like the quick fixes. And even though you get that instant gratification, fast forward an hour, yeah. guess what? You're not feeling good. You're lazier. Uh, it you know like you're sitting on the couch more than you want to be you're not motivated you know so I, I know and from what I've studied and kind of what I've experienced that's the biggest thing for me is like it's so easy to get nowadays especially when we're kind of, we're, we've been locked up for the last year or two uh, to get depressed mental health is legit mm-hmm. and being able to eat and having the discipline to kind of eat well and maybe put some passion and love into some cooking has really been helpful for me and uh, secondarily since I took this course um, I think it was back in 2016 what I didn't realize in Calgary and what's really starting to flourish in this city is we have a wonderful food scene we have some amazing restaurants and you know sourcing ingredients yes there's some great grocery stores and I used to always be like okay you know one grocery store guy that was the closest one to me but guess what there are amazing farmers markets all over the city that are are uh, supported by local farmers mm-hmm. all within about 100 miles of of, of Calgary yes. and that's what I love going to because you're supporting hard working local folks that are putting their heart and soul into bringing this food maybe it's 50 cents or another dollar for the food yeah. but guess what it's not traveling in a, in a in a truck 2 weeks from Mexico to get here right. it's coming that it was picked that morning and uh, it, the taste on it is phenomenal, and you're able to create such a more delicious dish when you're able to do that. So I, you know, I challenge folks out there that haven't been to these these great farmers markets we have because there's many all around the city, including a new one that's going to be coming up in the in the northwest right next to COP. And that I forget the name of that uh, area, um, but there's going to be a new one there within a year. There's many near downtown. Uh, there's pretty much popping all over the city and they're wonderful outings. They bring the family because there's many things like for the family to do and they're just something that I've really enjoyed doing with my family and friends uh, in the last few years and it's opened my, my eyes to the food scene uh, as well in Calgary that is a, is a hidden gem and uh, you kind of got to, you got to kind of let yourself uh, 
um, you know, uh, you know, kind of get off the, the bandwagon of, okay, I'm going to go to the same restaurants all the time. Because yeah. if you have an open mind and are able to try some new restaurants out, especially some good local restaurants that are, that are open from by Calgarians for Calgarians, it feels good to support that. Absolutely, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I, I work in the ag field, and you know, I work directly with growers, with farmers in Alberta, and you know, one one silver lining of this whole COVID pandemic um, is that I think people are thinking more locally in terms of their food source, um, and talking about restaurants, obviously, um, that sector was kind of negatively affected by all this with with some of these shutdowns. So, uh, couldn't agree more in the sense of getting out and supporting these local businesses, local restaurants, and ultimately local farmers who are growing this produce, rather than supporting, you know, um, Mexican produce or whatever mm-hmm. it is they are, they are buying from, from Alberta farmers. So that's great. Um, so yeah, I guess, um, I wanted to ask a bit about your, your, uh, your current career. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do as a firefighter and kind of your day to day with that? Yeah, I work uh, for a wonderful organization um, just outside the city. So we cover, we pretty much cover the surrounding area of Calgary. Uh, it's called Rocky View County. Um, I've, you know, I love working for them. One of the one of the big reasons I work for them is they have twenty four hour shifts, and they're they're supportive of my curling career. So uh, being able to do that, uh, I know that Calgary actually has, uh, Calgary has um, for I have a lot of friends that I work with from Calgary Fire Department as well. And uh, they, uh, they've actually recently gone to 24-hour shifts during this COVID situation. And I know that uh, there's been a little bit of a, um, you know, of a battle with the city because a lot of the firefighters want 24-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, proven via st- some wonderful studies how um, healthier it is for the firefighters, how they have more time at home. Uh, it's environmentally more friendly because you cut your travel time in half. Uh, and uh, just from a, a, a total quality of life standpoint, these 24-hour shifts have proven to be very, um, you know, very positive. And the, and the CFD has been experiencing that for almost a year, all the members. And uh, they're getting some bit of a pushback from the city now. So it would be great. It'd be really, I know that a lot of them would really like to see that in the future. And, and that's one of the reasons I never applied for, to, to Calgary was because they had... Uh, 10 and 14 hour shifts so split shifts okay and uh it you know you had to pretty much be at work twice as much during the month so it wasn't if you you know for an athlete it was it was uh, a little bit more challenging so i work for rocky view uh i i absolutely love my job i have some great friends uh, lifelong friends that i've created there Uh, my daily uh you know our daily uh routine is um you know we cover a, a major portion of highway one just west of the city, we cover the airport at Springbank. We actually just had a plane crash my last shift. It's it's one of the busiest, if not the busiest, municipal airport in uh, all of Canada, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people know about. And um, we cover a lot of like rural urban interface. So we get a lot of grass fires, but we also get some, there's some uh, some urban, you know, the urban sprawls moving out there, like with Harmony, that's right next to us. Uh, there's going to be uh, a new uh, um, mall, I think, being put in there forget the name of it going in but I think it's right across from Callaway Park there so uh, yeah it's just a wonderful uh, I I really enjoy because it's it's uh, it's given me a lot of experience different types of uh, unique experience one day I'll be driving the truck 
Another day I'll be the hydrant man or the nozzle man. Another day I'm bush buggy and, and tender crew, which means I'm going to all the medicals uh, and, and the first on scene at medicals. So, uh, you know, it's very, uh, gives gives you a lot of uh, variety. Um, and uh, I get to cook a lot. I get to cook three meals a day with those 24-hour shifts. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's just a wonderful job. So uh, it's been very supportive of my cur- my curling career. And, uh um, yeah, I have to say it's it's one of the reasons, another reason I kind of chose to move to Calgary because, you know, growing up in Ontario, I, I heard the odds of get, becoming a firefighter were like 0.2%, and oh, it was wow. very, very hard to get. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that become CFD, Calgary fire, uh, fighters, is uh, they're, you know, half of them aren't from here. They've moved here because there is that opportunity. And I think that's wonderful that, uh, you know, that um, there is that demand for uh, for great firefighters. So. Mm-hmm. Before we uh, move on to the final question, there is there anything else you wanted to to talk about? Uh, I know one thing. I, another thing I love about Calgary, because I've said a lot of, you know, I, I know this is a, a very positive Calgary uh, podcast, which I, I I'm in. I love to talk about Calgary, but uh, I'm a huge. I've really developed a love for fishing. I, I grew up kind of fishing, and then kind of, you know, when you go to university and you're living in a concrete jungle, that doesn't that all of a sudden is a lower priority, unfortunately for for many people, but living back out here and it's uh, it's amazing that you know you can fish pretty much in the middle of the city of calgary and the water is you know glacier fed very clean water for the most part and you can catch wonderful fish Um, and it's something that i think you know is a bit of a hidden gem um, for calgary and uh, it's something that uh, you know as i've kind of fallen back in love with and uh, it's given me a, a lot of uh, really good memories over the last few years, and and I think that uh, if you're if you've never experienced that in Calgary, it's worth um, you know you can get really easy fly fishing tours where you know it's a great Christmas it's a great Christmas or birthday gift because you can for a few hundred bucks you can get a lesson for you and your friends or or you know a birthday present where you give someone you give someone this they get a fly rod fully equipped half a day on the Bow River and uh, and you're out there fishing and it's something that uh, is a pretty darn cool experience so that's another thing I love about Calgary. So for the listeners and what where would uh, where would someone go to to get set up with a tour like that? Well I wish I could promote someone individually but that's not what I'm here to do I'm just uh, I know that there's several in the city okay. so I would just google like uh, you know uh, fly fishing tours uh, fly fishing lessons Calgary and I'm sure there's a few that'll pop up with some great reviews and uh and um, yeah, it's a wonderful experience that uh, if you've never, never tried it in Calgary, especially during uh, the, these times where we're just looking for new ideas to get outside, yeah. this is a pretty pretty darn good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Johnny, we, we really appreciate you coming out and um, we're, we're going to uh, end the podcast with a question for you. Why do you believe in Calgary? Well, I believe in Calgary because when I first moved here, I saw the greatness in the city because of their people. I saw that right when I landed here uh, and people volunteering to welcome me to the city with that warm country cowboy uh, handshake. And and it's something that I feel maybe we've gotten away from a little bit uh, in the last 10 or 20 years here, but I know that it's still deep down there. And um, that's why I still believe in Calgary because I still, I've met many people that still have that uh, that greatness in them and that energy in them. And I challenge the Calgarians that, you know, sometimes uh, maybe 
focus a bit more uh, uh, too much on, on the negative things of this city and what we're doing wrong. And I challenge them to be leaders in our city and to uh, remember why they moved to Calgary and help become um, one of the reasons why other people uh, want to make this their home. Great. Johnny Morris, thanks again for joining us today. No problem. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.